You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello, that seemed like a long time. That was 20 seconds. How many (laughs) seconds? That's a long time of silence. Sid Talk, um, she can't take 20 seconds of silence. (laughs) No, I like it. It just seems like a long time when you try to, like, do it on purpose. Yeah. So, um, what was your before the after the show discussion? Not much. Just waiting on you. <laughs> there really wasn't much. You're unpacking my new game for me, which is awesome. Got me a new game. The Sims. And that's about it. I'm kind of focused on what I'm doing. You're kind of focused on what you're doing. I was doing some Not stuff. Not very interesting. This is marriage, everyone. This is marriage. Don't let the movies fool you. <laughs> it's not all glitz and glam. Sometimes it's just nothingness. In the same room together. Which is good. If you can be nothingness in the same room <laughs> together, then you're a good match. And we'll note that as from last week, I have improved my sound of my voice. However, it could it crack a little It doesn't sound like you've improved any. It does. Last week I was pretty cloggy and pretty coffee. Um, so today if I start to crackle, I mean, I have my wine here to help, of course, and a cup of hot tea. So, I'm covered. Wine is always the best option. Always. That's what the doctor said. Take some wine. <laughs> yeah. Take wine three times a day. If you listen to my lungs closely, you'd hear the gurgling and the... It'll be much better. The wheeze. I don't think the wine's good for that, but... All right, so it is Saturday, March the 2nd. This is After the Show. We're a movie review podcast. And this week, on our 572nd episode, we're reviewing the movie Ben is Back. It's a 2018 movie. It's out on Blu-ray now. You can pick it up. It's rated R from our friends at Lionsgate who sent us a copy of the Blu-ray for review. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Ben is back. Mm. And don't say Ben is back. A son returns after what's made clear is that he's had drug problems for a brief moment. And um, we're kind of left with the question marks of, you know... Where's he at in this recovery slash addiction thing? And the mom is trying very desperately to get through Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's a like happy-go-lucky a, Christmas movie. It really isn't. No. Fun for all the family. It just happens to be at Christmas, which if you know people who do have, sadly, drug people, drug addicts in their family, Christmas is often the worst time because there is that promise of, stuff and money and well if you can spend 50 bucks on a present why can't you give me 50 bucks for a hit or well you know i can't pay for my electricity right now but you're buying all this christmas shit and then the guilt kicks in and i mean if you have any interaction with people with drugs in your entire family sadly it's often the same story and i think this is a slice of a story about a family dealing with one member who fell into the trap of the drugs. Well, chose to become part of the trap, but still. So let me warn you before our full discussion on the movie, there can be some spoilers, so wait. Um, You know, go and see it. Or don't. (laughs) Or do whatever you want. But you're going to hear some spoilers. Um, So this movie, up front, stars Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges, who you will know from Manchester by the Sea, probably. Um... 
And how did you like it? Oh, it was really good. I mean, you can't say it's enjoyable because it's it's kind of a flat line on a good mood. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not Manchester by the Sea kind of sadness, but it is it feels without the extra grit because it's not super gritty. It still feels pretty real in the emotional department, and that's kind of a drag because it's the mom trying so hard. And you knowing, you don't know if you can trust him, you know, the whole dynamic. It's kind of, it's not depressing, but it's very flatline if you, you know, it doesn't go one way or the other, which I kind of like. It doesn't make you feel like, yay, everyone's going to triumph over drugs. And it's also not, boo, everyone's going to fail if they start doing drugs. What I liked about it was how um, I didn't trust this kid immediately, you know, when it was established that. He was a drug addict. And then he comes around. The way he comes around as well. Looking in the door, looking in the window. Yeah, and he's pissed off because he can't get in the house. Yeah. Which you automatically know he's sort of like... I mean, it's not fair to not trust him just because we find out he's from a drug rehab. That's unreasonable. But his behavior right there at the beginning is kind of all you need. And then he almost immediately tells his mom, do not believe anything I say. Yeah. Do not trust me. Because he knows... He knows what he's doing and what he's up to. So, yeah, his initial, like, pounding on the door, he's pissed because they got an elect alarm system. But what that told me immediately was that he has stolen from them in the past, and that's why it's there. I mean, I added that in, which became true. Yeah, but I also thought that. I thought, yeah. oh, this kid's not to be trusted. Not that he's bad or anything, just that the, the drugs have got a hold of him, and... If he has an opportunity, he's probably going to take it. Yeah, exactly. And his mum thinks exactly the same way. It's like this, you know, she's very glad that he's turned up for Christmas. But then she immediately goes in the house and starts, (laughs) like, getting rid of all the pills out of the cabinets and getting rid of... Hiding the jewelry and... Yeah. Yeah. So you can tell that there's the... She loves him, but she doesn't trust him. Yeah. Now, um, there's like a family dynamic going on. She's obviously remarried. They, you know, and she's not married to his dad anymore. They've got four kids all together. So there's like him and his sister from a previous marriage and two younger siblings from the current marriage. And there's a lot of love in the family, but then there's also, you can see all the broken, but like the sister, the way she feels about it. Oh, absolutely. What it reminded me of was uh, Fear the Walking Dead. The daughter knew that the mother would favor the druggy son. Forever, no matter what, that no matter what she did right or wrong, he was always going to be the one. Madison and Nick. Yeah, he got the pass. He got the like, everything's going to be fine. He got the like, you know, even the little things like the son starts to feed the dog some table food and the daughter's like, "Uh, he's feeding the dog. And the mom looks at her like, it's fine. And then she's like, you don't let me do it. Like, what's so fucking special about my brother who's a druggie? And I get told off you know like so that dynamic was totally there yeah he's mummy's boy obviously her I mean, priority I think, is him like. i think drugs or illness kind of draws a parent to a kid like you can't help it you want to take care of them but this i thought was really realistic yeah and um you know so there's this scenario he's trying to keep on the right track you can tell he doesn't really want to go back on the wrong track well we don't know it doesn't seem like it does. Like when he yeah. comes, he wants to just see his siblings. He wants to. 
That's what we're led. No, yeah. I didn't believe that from the beginning. I mean, I didn't trust him, but I did believe he. There's something inside him saying, "No, I want to actually be all right here." But there's I so think many he temptations. Wanted a temporary, you know. Oh, we we had to say that he actually came. Like, why is he back? Well, he was in a sober housing project. And it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. So, so he said let- that they let him leave for the day. Right. Now, did they let him leave? They must have let him leave or they would have come for him. Because at one point, the stepfather actually says, I've left word with the sober housing. So they know he's not there. Um, it's not like a jail or anything. It's not like you're in rehab. It's just sort of a halfway house type of deal. He did say eventually that his sponsor told him not to leave. So right. it was it was fine that he did, kind of on his own accord, but so, nobody um, was hunting him down or anything. So I, I thought I had a handle on what this film was from, like, what was happening. You know, mum takes him shopping to get him some clothes for Christmas and that kind of thing. They go around the town. But then the, like, shadow of his former life keeps popping up. Like, there's a person in the mall over there who I probably sold drugs to. As, you know, he keeps seeing things. Yeah. And it keeps making him, you know, when the mum goes up to the doctor in oh the... Oh, dear. Yeah, the mum's got a bit of a bitter and... The mom is classic. Just, she wants to blame everybody except the son. Yeah. Including the doctor who first gave him painkillers when he was a teenager. Right. So she... Not very nice to that <laughs> no. guy. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this mom is serious. Hardcore. Which helped a lot because later when she's just sort of putting herself out there in the danger situation, I wasn't like, oh, this is suspect. Because I believe my mom would do that shit. My mom would drive up to some nasty looking house and some weird characters and get out of the car and say, you know, where yeah, the hell's I- my daughter? Like, my mom would do that. So I was I, to me, she felt pretty real. So part of the, you know, I thought I had a handle on the movie. It was going to be like a drama about trying to keep him under control over this Christmas night, 24 hours. And mum was going to, you know, and I thought maybe at some point he would take some drugs and there would be a lot of heartache. But what it actually turns into is like this mission. It's a mission, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Where... And I didn't expect none of this, actually. When when it started going that way, the movie, I was like, oh, I didn't think this was... I never even thought of this. But, and it, you know, it's, what happens is they go out to Christmas Mass, Midnight Mass, and while they're gone, somebody breaks into the house and steals the dog because the dog is something they really love. Now, he immediately thinks, oh, it's probably some drug people who I've de- dealt with who are trying to send me a message. So then it turns into this mission of him and, well, he mom. would have gone on his own, <laughs> but his mum decides to come with him, where they're going around trying to get the dog back. Now, that part, it felt a bit too movie-ish for me when it got to that part. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? At the like beginning it, of that section, yeah. Yeah, it felt like, oh, like I, I was just settled in for like a really like harrowing drama kind of thing, but this almost felt like it was going a different direction completely. Like, it felt like it was going the action route, like something like Taken. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't don't need to do that in this kind of movie, because it is more of a, you know, the relationships between people. But then it made more sense as it went on, really. Well, there was a, there was a few parts where I was like, what? What's happening? You know, when they're strapping the drugs to him and... The, yep. There was some parts where I was like, these parts It didn't really seem, make any sense. No, it doesn't seem to 
fit with what's going on here. It seems a bit like Hollywood movie drug dealing, all that kind of stuff going on. But I don't know. I don't drug deal. I don't know how it works. I mean, that didn't even make any sense. They strapped money around him, like taped it to his belly, and they just uh, just drove to explain a- why, like what what. Well, then he's just going to get some drugs. But I mean, yeah. this is the guy who took the dog. And once you're in with this guy, you don't get out. And this guy obviously wanted out and blah, blah, blah. I mean, just dumb, stupid shit. But as far as like that world and how they see things. But all they did was strap some money on him. And then he drove across a bridge. And then they cut it and off delivered on delivered the money, yeah. Like, I don't understand. It wasn't even wrapped in like security tape so that if... I mean, I was thinking, well, is it because... He's not supposed to tamper with it, so if you tape it to his middle... But, I mean, even if a cop stopped him, he would still get touched or frisked or something, and he'd have all this money taped to him. He didn't go to an airport. He wasn't going through any kind of, like... No, it's, it was really this, dumb. This is not Midnight Express. Yeah, it was like a dumb little thing that these little boys with their drug trade are just wanting to be big men about or something. Now, now all like that, that part seemed out of place to me uh, a little bit. Them going round to people, you know, not not all of it, but that part did, especially. It just seemed overly dramatic drug dealer thing, you know, artificial danger almost in the movie. I mean, what I liked about it was the journey was her finding out about the truth about what he had been up to all these years. Which I did like. Yeah. Yeah. See, I liked the first one was pretty shocking, I thought. Like his teacher. Yeah. So, you, go, you know, he goes... The first place he stops off to see what's going on is a teacher. And you can tell by the body language that there's been some sexual intimacy. And this is a male teacher. And um, he's old. And when mum, when it clicks in mum's head, that scene is really good. Yeah. (laughs) Because she actually vomits. Because she's finding out when her son (laughs) says to her, you don't want to know. You don't need to, yeah, you don't want to know what I've done. And then he says to her, like, I'm not worth you saving. He knows what he means. And now she's finding out what he, what he means. Not that that's not worth saving, but in his mind, he's done all these things and there's no coming back. Yeah, he knows, like, in his mind, he is just a piece of shit. Like, yeah, he's a drug, he's addicted to drugs. He'll do anything for drugs. His family don't really matter when it comes down to doing drugs and exactly. steal from them. So, yeah, I, I, I really thought that was touching. And probably, that's what I said to you. Do you think this is, like, based on, like, no, I don't think this, this is not based on a true story or anything, but it felt like a lot of it was from real stories. Yeah, it really does. I aside, mean, it, yeah. Aside from the Hollywoody um that part. <laughs> That's Absolutely. the only part that kind of bugged me. It just felt out of place. It didn't feel like it belonged in this movie. I was like, hmm. I don't mind them going around because it's a good tool in the script for them to go around this night and the mother understand exactly what the son has been doing. Yeah. But it didn't really need to go into strapping money to him and stuff just to get this dog back. Which, you know, then it's... That's where I was like, oh, this is like taken. Because you could have found lots of other ways to get him across the bridge. He didn't need a lot of persuading. No. So, yeah, uh, that part I would have done without because you don't need it didn't need to be have like a big action piece or whatever. All they had to do was. was say, you need to take this over there and bring me back my my shit. Yeah. And that's it. Like you're the guy to do. That's all they had to do. Not the big. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. as you were watching it, it just kind of stuck out in there. Yeah. Like, oh, this doesn't seem the rest of the movie was not this. What's this? <laughs> um, 
But as far what this movie really is good at, though, is the relationship between the mother and the son, and the rest of the family. But that's brief. But there is a the bond is so strong between them, and you feel it all the time. And you know when, like, the parts where she took him to buy some clothes in a clothes shop, and she never she a rule that she'd made over this period is like I, I'm never you never leave my sight because if you do you might be doing drugs right or doing something. So he's trying on just some clothes in a changing room, and she's got the door open and she's just staring at him. And he's like, this is embarrassing, Mum. No, and there she closed the door and he jokingly uh, said, and then she, yeah, check so my, saying, yeah, he, yeah. she checked his pockets and as he closed the door, he said, yeah, but he didn't check my shoes. And then she freaked out, pounds on the door, yells and screams at him. Yeah, so all that, um, all these things, they seem kind of ridiculous looking at them, but then I was like, no, that has to be a real story. Like, oh, God, yeah. Like somebody, that happens to somebody, you know? Because... Like, somebody who is addicted to drugs, their mission, their whole mission is to get drugs. Correct. And get high. Everyone, like I said, you can't have a movie that's instantly like, oh, all drug people are hopeless. You can't do that because that's not accurate. However, if we've all dealt with someone who's had a drug problem or drinking problem or a gambling problem, whatever the addiction is, it's very, very real that that's truly all they're going to want to do, maybe for the rest of their life. Like, no matter what you do or what they go through or what they cause, it's not going to matter. Some people will be like that. And this is like exploring the possibility of this sort of like middle of the road, what would you call them, middle class, maybe yeah. a little upper middle They're class upper, family. Yeah. Um, and it just, it is what it is. He's no different than anybody else. You can't say he's hopeless, but it, it all feels really true. It feels very hopeless. Like, I kept thinking all the way through the movie, though, the way he is, he's going to end up dead. Like, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking that. Like, he wants to, he feels like he wants to try because he gets the, he goes to the meeting in the middle of the movie. They go to one of those, you know, <clears throat> drug meetings. and uh, Like AA, NA. Yeah. Now, he wouldn't have even bothered going to that, right, if he didn't want to try. He just wanted to... Well, what we find out later is he's already got his little stash. And maybe, you know, who knows? He mm. admits later that his whole... The, what we've been seeing isn't necessarily correct. Right. That he was told not to leave the place. He did have some drugs he could get... He had his hands on already that were in his house. I mean, you know... So who knows what his motivation was for that. I think it was to get away from his mom, but then she forced her way in and yeah. went with him. So. It wasn't easy to get away from mom. She was <laughs> no. on it. Um, then there's like the relationship between the mom and the father. Well, the stepdad. The stepdad. Not his father, but no. the father of the little ones. Um, and that's strained too. You can Even from the very few conversations you see between them, it's the, this son, drug son, is getting in the way of that relationship. Well, it's a lot to take on yeah. when it's your stepson yeah, but and he's stolen from you and he's cost you a lot of money yeah. and he's put your wife through absolute hell and misery, including your children. Dangerous. So I understand the strain. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so yeah, you can see that even through the very little, there's just a few words between Julia Roberts and the husband mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, 
it's on the edge here because of this son, like, because <laughs> the son, yeah, he's been paying. I mean, it comes out later that he'd been paying to make sure this son's okay, right? Um, so, uh, the final part is, did you like the ending of it? I think like is, a, I don't know if there's a word for, it's not like or dislike. Did it touch? I yeah, understood. Was you crying or touched or? Um, I was touched as in, I felt like for a brief second, and this has actually come out of the mouths of mothers I've known in my actual life about their children with drug problems when they haven't died. That they didn't know if sometimes that wasn't the best option at that moment. I mean, it's regretful and it's a horrible thing to think about your own children. But I actually got that feeling in that moment. She's... Are we spoiling the end? He doesn't die. Well, we got some spoilers. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't die. But I mean, it's pretty close. And I feel like if he had, that's the end of it. And if he doesn't, then there is no like, oh, he's lived and everything's going to be fine. It's... You're just starting all over again. You're starting from the first day you ever took a pill. So I don't know. I was pretty ambivalent about the end, to be honest. Yeah, it was, um, I thought that he was going to die and that would be the, the end. And it could well have been, right? Because the way it is done, if you cut the camera five seconds before it ends, that would have been the other ending. Well, still the, the end. other ending, because you don't know if he's going to live. <laughs> I'm saying the ending where he doesn't wake up or the ending where he does. So you could, you could, you know, it could have been either way. It was really close. Yeah, but I don't feel like him being alive is the end. No, I think him being alive is the worst outcome. <laughs> oh my God. Because <laughs> he's on a trail of destruction. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen at some point anyway. It's just when, right? And even she says that when she takes him to the graveyard. Oh yeah, I love that scene. And I, I felt like that was a real thing mothers have done. I don't yeah. know that for a fact, but it seems like something you would... Take your kid to the tomb, to the place and say, fine, if you're going to fucking kill yourself, then where do you want me to bury you? Because yeah. I'm going to have to be the one to bury you. She even says it's going to be soon. If yeah. You, like, you know, you've got to realize that. <laughs> so, yeah. But that kind of stuff, even in life, it doesn't rattle people. It didn't you know? seem to rattle him at all, did it? Yeah. So moving on to the cast here, Julia Roberts plays Holly Burns. I, I, um, I think this is a really good Julia Roberts role. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's a more independent style movie. It's not like a big Hollywood blockbustery type movie. It's more about the acting and not like the, you know, it's not a flashy movie like Ocean's 8 or something like that. But it really is more about acting and it reveals a lot. I think Julia Roberts does a really good job. She, could, I buy her as a mother. I'm not thinking of Julia Roberts, to be honest. Yeah, true. I'm just thinking of her as this, you know... She's really sad the entire time, really. Yep. Apart from the one moment where she notices, where he turns up and she gets out of the car, there's some happiness there. Fleeting, so fleeting. It just comes and goes. The happiness like, is so just, fast. oh, I can see my son <clears throat> over there. Yeah. But then when, when she thinks just slightly like more about it, that might not be great. <laughs> that he's exactly. Here. Right. Um, but I think she did a really good job. I. You know, she obviously, she's Julia Roberts, right? She does a good job in movies. Is she overrated? What do you reckon? No, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. What's your favorite Julia Roberts performance? I don't even know. Is I it Ben is back? I think this one, so far. But, you know, there's always another one. Is it not <laughs> Ocean's Eleven? No. 
<laughs> as herself being not herself being herself? No. <laughs> um, no, she's really good in this. If you want to see a different side to her, I think this is a good one. Because it's like stripped back. She's not being glamorous. Mm-mm. She's just being a mom. And she's being very emotional a lot of the time. And she uses the F word quite a lot. Yeah. I like that, actually. She's because pissed. it just came out of her, like... <laughs> she even says it to just people. In that store, she says it to people <laughs> as she's leaving. <laughs> she just gets really, you know, it pushes the buttons trying to look after this guy. So Lucas Hedges plays Ben Burns. You'll know him from Manchester by the Sea. That is the kid in that. He was yeah. also in um, Ladybird, right? Mm-hmm. He was also in Mid-90s that we watched recently, just very briefly. And... Uh, He's in a lot of... He's in a movie called Boy Erased, which is coming up. Um, he is all the rage at the moment, it seems, in these indie movies. Uh, what do you think? I loved him in Manchester by the Sea. I think it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. What do you think of him here? I think he's good. He just... I feel like because... Like what I would said earlier about it. He's not like Mr. Dynamic... And he's not super loser guy. He's not really scummy. He's very middle of the road. There's nothing here that makes you think, oh, he was a star athlete. What a shame. He's just wasting his life. Dude. Or he's just like the worst horrible person kind of thing. Even though as we go through, he tells us the things he's done. He's still just neutral, middle. There's no like, you're not cheering for him because he's got a lot to lose. And you're not like hoping that he fails because he's such an asshole. And I think he pulls that off every time he has the option to be like a little bit charming or whatever. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like he's not super lovey dovey with the siblings. He's not super like respectful to the stepdad. Um, He doesn't, everyone doesn't like pat him on the back. They more like look at him like, Oh, it's that kid, you know, that guy. So I feel like he did a good job of keeping it neutral. Now, if that's good or bad, I just felt like that kept it more real Right. Then to amp up my emotions for him, like to root for him or to be like, oh, he's a waste of space. I felt like you had to make up your own mind just from the things you know about him, not from him, you know, act hemming it up. Yeah, because when he was in Manchester by the Sea, he was like, he wasn't that kid. He was different when he? he was in a band. He was he's pretty he played funny. hockey. Yeah. He was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a different type of kid. But I I think he did a really good job here, especially the scenes where, the scene where he lose he ditches her at one point because he's like sick of her following him around and he has to go and do a serious drug thing, the thing that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But when he ditches her in that truck stop, he's like like mom go and see get me a drink out of the fridge like the blue one that I like, and then he leaves in the car. But when he says I love you, like you can see like he's like. I love you. He but does. I don't want you involved in this shit. I, I've got to go and do this now. And the only way I can do this is just ditch you. Yeah. But so I saw a lot of like emotion between them. It was really good, especially at the very, very end. Courtney B. Vance plays Neil BB. He's the stepfather. What do you think of Courtney? He was good because, again, very neutral. Yeah. Not in it a lot, to be honest. No, but enough to understand. They have a nice, clean, upstanding, held together life. <laughs> she even insists that he gets like organic cranberries. So that's like a deflection in life to yeah. force something else to try to be perfect when you know over here everything is not perfect. So you feel that tension, I think. It's just right on the surface. 
Um, they've got two seemingly well-adjusted younger children and a teenage daughter and I mean, she had previously. But I feel like, again, and it sounds like a knock against this movie, but the neutrality of everyone, not grabbing at you, not tugging at you ever until like very key moments. He's not, he doesn't seem like an asshole and he doesn't seem like Mr. Wonderful. I feel like he has some anger. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. But it doesn't come out. He doesn't, like, punch a wall. No. He he just keeps saying, just tell me how I can help you. I need to come and get you. You know, he's not, like, saying, like, throw him to the wolves. And he's also not saying, like, we've got to save him. Like, there's none of that. It's very... I think it's realistic. Yeah, I do, too. That somebody just doesn't know what the fuck to do in this situation. So all you're trying to do is keep it calm. (laughs) Don't know what's going to happen. You almost wish it would all just go away. I felt like that was both of them a little bit, you know? Yeah. Even when the mom's in the middle of it, she's like, it in her mind, it's got to be like, can we just go home and have Christmas, you know? And um, Catherine Newton plays um, the daughter, his sister. Yeah, she was good. Mia. I don't think she was in it enough. I thought I, thought, I wanted some more interaction between him and his sister, you know? There was the bit where he went up into the attic, but... Um, I felt like they could have done more with them because there was a, the relationship was really strained between him and his sister. It is, but it was very clear from the yeah. beginning. So, and then the two kids, Mia Fowler, Mia Fowler plays Lacey, and Jackery plays Liam. They're just little kids, but they're really good. Like, yeah, the scene where see there was some personality to Ben when he first comes back and he's singing them a song, and when he sits with them to watch TV and they both love up on him. True. It's obviously love him. That even you know they're not they're just his step siblings, half, not step half, half siblings. Sorry. So the, he is dynamic in that way because he he was he made them a cool sandwich. Yeah. You know he, they don't you you could see that the kids didn't see that side of him. Correct. The other side, almost like they're oblivious to it because they've probably been protected from it. Um, so this is directed by Peter Hedges, who is also Lucas Hedges, the star of this movie, is his father. And he also directed Pieces of April, which we had to have a discussion earlier of whether we'd seen it or not. And I looked at the trailer and we definitely had seen it. And Dan in Real Life, which we definitely saw and we reviewed on this podcast, which was Steve Carell. What was Dan in Real Life? What was what was the deal? His wife had died. Oh, yes, yes. And he was coming to terms with it. I think so. I don't remember. Was he starting a business or something? He moved and I don't know for sure. I always, I, for some reason, the the opening scene sticks in my mind where he's get putting his socks on. <laughs> he's opening his sock, the sock drawer and putting his socks on. Yeah, well, that in real life was good. I know we liked it. And it was a similar type of thing to this. It was a very, like, you know, realistic situation. So um, what do you think of Peter Hedges? I wonder if he has to direct his son, or his son just does the job like, you know? Because mm. it's not like he's had no experience, but it'd be weird working with your dad as the director, I think. Not necessarily. I it's mean, like, it depends on the dynamic of their relationship. Don't tell me what to do. No, I think <laughs> if he's your boss, you know better. He's old enough to know. What do you think of the direct... Um, direction and cinematography are different things. Cinematography is quite good in this movie. It's very, mm-hmm. like even you said, it's it's um, kind of dreamy a little bit when they walk when they're going around the town. Definitely dreamy. Um, you know, and it has those blurry ed- blur edges and lots of 
lots of shots. neon and Christmas lights. I said, uh, Brendan Wolfel, who's a photographer who does a lot of the dreamy like reflections. Would like with, it. Yeah, because it's very of uh, it's, it's very Instagram looking sometimes. I thought that just jumped to my mind. Filters where it's like you've got a lot of Christmas lights over on one side of the screen, then there's a little bit of whatever that's called, lens flare, and it kind of washes everything over with this sort of like sweet little soft light. And in the moment, it's something horrible going on. I was like, I'm sure the um, cinematographer would love to know that he's very Instagrammy. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a sensibility now. It's like if you look at enough Instagram, I don't really look at the others. So a Pinterest doesn't really yeah, have that. So this much, kind of a glossy feel to it, it's but a it's glossy, real at the same time. Dreamy, soft neon look a lot of times but the thing is it worked because it's christmas time yeah christmas lights on every building they pull up to and it looked really nice like i felt like in the attic i don't know why i was thinking of it the lighting was really good with both of them in there (laughs) i have been working on my photography skills for the last year so maybe that's why i'm tuned into it but it looked really nice all the time i thought yeah um they did have some kind of like that handheld camera work going on I noticed when there's even people Little. talking. Yeah. But it's not ridiculous like, um, you know, Cloverfield. I <laughs> know. So, uh, no. so um, unfortunately, there are not really any extras on this Blu-ray apart from an audio commentary. So, yes, there is audio extras, but not really visual extras. Because I don't count a photo gallery as an extra. Because uh, no. you can literally go on IMDb and look at their photo gallery and it's the same thing. So uh, there's an audio commentary with director. Which I will be listening to because I'm interested to to know, to you know, a director directing his son, and I'd, I'd be interested to know how that goes on, or how he, you know, how it comes to be. So, um, yeah, no actual extras, no making of or anything like that, unfortunately. So, uh, what do you give this? Is this a recommendation for you, from you? Well, I never really recommend because I don't know what everyone would like, but. It's not cheery, and it's not super depressing. It's just sort of a look at. And if you like Julia Roberts a lot, like beyond, you know, Pretty Woman or whatever, and you just want to see her do something different, I'd say dig your teeth in if you're dealing with these issues in your life. You definitely might You might identify with some of... (laughs) Because it's not like a big Hollywood movie where they dramatize every little bit of it. It's more like, shit, a mom trying to save her son... And that's it, really. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not played for like tugging at your heartstrings either. It's just played matter Doesn't of fact. Doesn't feel like it. No. More like, oh, this is a situation that's happening. You know, it could be. You could be watching a TLC documentary type thing. It's just some people who are going through some shit. Yeah. And you're watching them. So yeah, it's not like let's play the music at the right time and everybody cries. I think they run through what's probably in a book somewhere about a parent who they blame, how they blame. So she blames the doctor first and then she blames the people around him. And then she blames the fact that she left the father and he needed a father. And then she blames more, you know, it's like she goes through all those things, which I'm sure is all written down somewhere that parents all do. Even my grandma, when she found out my aunt was doing drugs, this is a long time ago. My aunt's like 70, but long, many years ago, she would just openly say, like, what have I done wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I say to her? What did I not give her? What did I give her too much? She hung around with those kids and then did we, you know, whatever. It was like on her mind that it wasn't my aunt's fault somehow 
that she made these choices. Right. And I feel like this was kind of a little pamphlet for that. Yeah. So um, I, I would recommend it if you're into drama. I like drama movies like this where some people might say, and we're going to get to it in a second, what would people say on IMDb? <laughs> yeah. Some people might say nothing happens or... Oh, yeah. You know. It was a waste of my life. I would say, fuck you. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they are <laughs> entitled to their opinion. But it's just the same uh, story over and over. All right, so I'm just warming up, lingering my voice up for the... Right. Uh, so at this time, at this point in the show for the last few weeks, we have done a... I have a look on IMDb. It's one of my favorite things to look at what people think of movies. I know you don't care about what people think. No, which is ironic. I always love to have a look. I, I always have. Um, but I decided to read you some of the, you know, bad reviews of this movie. There are got a lot of good reviews always, but I just choose the bad ones because they're the funniest. You like to focus on the bad. <laughs> All right. So, um, no. So, yeah, we both like this movie, but these people didn't. And the number one is another PC diverse movie. Interracial marriage, two white kids, two black kids, make everything equal and balanced, typical of what Hollywood does these days. So out, out of this movie, like, which is, you know... Got Here's the thing. Um, as we're discussing the movie, does the fact that her husband's African-American and she's white have anything to do with the movie whatsoever? There's nothing to do with it. No. No. Uh, so that's also, a funny way to even look at it. Also, like, this person watched this whole movie about a whole big subject... And that was what we focused on. <laughs> to focus on the fact that Hollywood represented real life. That couples exist who are interracial. And this one, the <clears> second <throat> one is... Incomplete ending. It was okay. But the ending... It just left you wondering... Is that it? It wasted my time. Oh, your time is so valuable. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, let me see if there's any... We other. decided the only reason a movie is a waste of your time is if the movie begins, someone next to you goes into cardiac arrest, and you say to them, I'm not giving you CPR until I watch this, this movie. <laughs> and then if they die and the movie was boring, that probably was not a good use of your time. However, if you're just some schmucko sitting on your ass watching whatever trickles in front of your eyeballs, and this happens to be an hour and a half of it, stop bitching about it being a waste of your time. What else are you doing with your time? I don't know these people, but I'm judging them harshly. Number three review. No scene was very memorable. <laughs> the story. I was waiting for the highlight of the movie the entire time, but then nothing happened. Nothing scary, nothing sad or shocking. It was just flat. I didn't really get my full attention, actually. At the end of the movie, my reaction was, that is it. <laughs> the directing. Julia Roberts did a wonderful job. Apparently he thinks Julia Roberts directed. <laughs> she put in so much emotion. Unfortunately, the script wasn't excellent and no scene was memorable. So this guy actually thinks Julia Roberts directed it. Interesting. <laughs> he must always think whoever is the lead in a movie directed it. Maybe. Hmm. So yeah, there's that. There's a lot of good reviews for this one. I've there's a lot of nine out of tens. So this is actually a Julia deserved a, a better sparring partner. This is not Creed, by the way. 
Lucas Hedges was good, but he doesn't dazzle in any way. Julia gives so much her subtlety and his blandness left me wanting more. I think he wanted more of his blandness. <laughs> more blend. Please. I would have loved to have seen someone new with more edge play this role. Isn't this guy new? Also, also it doesn't. The idea is this is just a person. He's not Jean Claude Van Damme. Would that be who you want? <laughs> like, so like, I would have liked to see Jean Claude Van Damme play this twenty-three-year-old boy. <laughs> This troubled guy who goes out and then kicks all the drug people's asses. Is that what they want? Like, give me a break. All right. That's it for IMDb reviews this week. Oh, these people. So uh, thanks to Lionsgate for providing us with a review copy. Next week, we're looking at the movie Mortal Engines, which is a big departure from this one, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Movie recommendations. We always recommend a movie at this point in the show, but I usually base it on what we've seen. So I'm base, I'm going for my favorite drug use movie, Train Spotting. If you like a good time watching people do drugs, Train Spotting's your place to be. I, I mean, it's not a good time watching people do drugs, but if you want to do that, you can also watch the TV show Intervention. I mean, true. There's your there's your free pass right there. So Train Spotting the drug connection and my second r- recommendation is Manchester by the Sea, which is Lucas the Hedges connection. connection. <laughs> Yeah, sadness, depressing. If you really, really want a sad... Lucas Hedges. But good. It's good. It's very good, yeah. And there's some awesome scenes in it. But oh my word, you're not going to walk away from that laughing it up. You might actually want to reach for some sort of chemical inducement to cheer you up. Because I really like Michelle Williams in that movie. It's hardcore. All right, so uh, yours are? Mine are... I'm going a different direction. I'm going for Incredibles 2. The Incredibles 2. It's really fun. It's It's, incredible. It's incredible. It's really... I mean, I'd watch Incredibles and then Incredibles 2 if you're going to go for it. It's just fun. It's laughable. There's no drug addicts that I'm aware of in the movie. (laughs) There might be some voice actors who are drug addicts. Maybe. I don't know. But then the other one is the opposite of all these things we talk about. Like, it's a movie that I find quite pretentious, even though it was trying to be avant-garde at its time in 1929, which is called On Chien Andalou. Salvador Dali and some of his art people making the one where they slice open the eyeball and everything, you know, and it's just... Slice open an eyeball? Yeah, you have to see it. It's 1929, and they're trying to be of the new school of, like, fuck all the old art that's ever existed because it's all boring and bourgeois. And so we're going to be avant-garde and interesting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's shocking, and it's kind of pointless. It tries to make a statement at different times. It's about 17 minutes long, so it's not like you're in it for the long haul. But if you want something that when you're done, you might think, what the hell did I use my 17 minutes for? (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Because you will be like, what the hell is that? Or you'll be like, whoa, it's so incredible for its time, you know? Or you could watch that movie. Uh, there's like a trilogy, Red, White, and Blue. And the red, the red movie is like eight hours of a red screen and then some credits. That would waste your time, right? Possibly. I don't know. Not if it gave you some sort of I want to see the IMD re- IMDb reviews for that. <laughs> Nothing happened for eight hours. I was bored. And then the credits rolled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Now all I see is red when I go outside the theater. 
I don't even know if that's a waste of your time if you enjoy it or get something out of it, but... Yeah. All right, so um, the Oscars happened last weekend. We watched them in their full. Mm-hmm. We watched all of them. What was your... Um, it was hostless. That was the big deal. Which was fine. How it, did you uh, like the Oscars? It was fine. I'm neutral. I think it was fine. I don't care about the host part. I'm glad that they didn't overdo any of the songs and the razzmatazz. I like that they just sang the songs and that was it. And, I mean, we gave some people some awards in their industry. I don't... What? It's not that big a deal. It's just an, it's like an award ceremony that anybody else has in the whole of the world. I mean, kids go to high school and play softball and they have the softball awards. You know, they have a ceremony and a dinner and they give the best achievement for this year and the best player and academics, the kids get awards and at ceremonies like graduation, you get an award for being the best in your class. It's not that big of a deal just because they're all rich and dressed up. Doesn't make it that much more special. However, it is a spectacle. It's always got the political thing, which I think we could all live without. Likely. Yeah, I don't give a shit about any of these rich, famous people's points of view. I just don't. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't mean anything to me. What they say, even if I agree, it doesn't have more importance. I mean, they're not in touch with life like my life or anything. So I just like that it's a show and it was well done and it looked nice. I like the stage. There weren't any major goof ups or anything that I can recall. I don't think there was any goof ups, was there? Oh, um, Rami Malik fell off the stage, but not afterwards. But not during the ceremony. Not during. Um, I really liked um, Lady Gaga and... Um, I thought that was kind of mm, pretentious, but hey. I, I really liked it. I I, I'd did. just seen the movie the day before, and I'm really into the song, and uh, it just was really so, nice. Oh, it's so pretentious to do that whole like acting, lovey-dovey, coy, sexual thing. It was I just like, Ugh. I know you did. I just... It really worked you for me. like shiny objects. It wasn't that interesting. <laughs> and that song has been stuck in my head all week. Like, all week. I know. I love it. I love it. I mean, I like it, but I'm pretty good at... I don't know. I shouldn't say I get over things, because I will listen to my things that I love over and over and over, like you 2 or something. But when something brand new comes along, I'll hit it hard for a short period of time, and then I'm done. Um, so I think what I'm was done another... What else was... Up the? Uh, they did the Mary Poppins one... They did. Oh, I really liked Olivia Coleman's speech because <laughs> she was definitely shocked. I don't think she had any. She didn't think she was getting an Oscar, did she? Cause I don't like, think at first, but then I felt like it almost immediately turned into an actress speech. So. I think that's what she could come up with on this, uh, like quickly, like oh, I'll I'll be funny, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what I'm used to being. She's one of my favorite British comedies called Peep Show. She was actually in Peep Show. And she was very like that. That's her style of comedy, right? You know, she's kind of coy and sarcastic. I mean, as acting, as a he character. He also had a good speech. Oh, I didn't, like, I didn't like Spike Lee's speech, but I rarely do like anything that Spike Lee <laughs> says. Also, Spike Lee being a big baby after the show, like <laughs> saying that the movie that actually won was not black enough for him. What? Shut up. Really? Come he on. doesn't have to shut up. I don't understand your point of view. He's entitled to his opinion. It's just yeah, that... Yeah, but just go and say that elsewhere. Like don't people, say it in the press conference. People think it's more important because yeah. he's a rich Hollywood director-writer guy. And it isn't. Him saying to you, this movie isn't worthy, doesn't mean it isn't worthy. But what worthy. bugged me was 
the movie that won, congratulations to the movie that won, actually, which was... What green movie? Card. Or green, green Book. Yeah. Which is about racism. And it's right, but it's written by white people, directed by white people, produced by white people, mostly starring, starring all white person. people. Mostly all. And that's, that is Spike Lee's argument, which is a reasonable argument when you're saying we're trying to make movies that are balanced and more, you know, whatever. That's fair. I don't have a problem with that. But again, because no. he didn't like it, didn't mean it was bad. <clears throat> no, the mo- I'm sure the movie's very good, is what I'm saying. But he, he, in the press conference, kind of made everybody just talk about that. Oh, wow, this movie shouldn't have been it, and Black Klansman should have been, and it was just annoying. You know? But he's entitled to his opinion. It just doesn't, everyone shouldn't give it so much importance, is all. But I did like the uh, telecast in general. They had some really cool commercials, actually. Ridley Scott did a commercial that was really cool looking. You know what? Those commercials only get shown once, apparently. Those Oscar commercials. Same as the Super Bowl ones. Right. Seems like a waste when you've made such an awesome commercial. You know? <laughs> like, why why can't it be shown again? Like, you know? Well, you can see them online. Um, but You're I really advocating like... for more commercials? Well, yeah. cool commercials like that, though, are just kind of different. There's quite a few. There was a Nike one that was kind of cool. Why would you sit and watch commercials more than once on purpose? Well, if you have to, I guess. Like, if you're watching regular TV and commercials are there. That's what I'm saying. Why would you advocate that? I'd rather watch that than watching, like, you know, the Swiffer Mop commercial, like, 50 times. (laughs) Something artistic and cool looking. Um, So there's that. This week I won a contest, which was cool. So always enter our contests. We have contests on our website. We've got one going on at the moment to win Wreck-It Ralph. Um, so you've always got a chance to win a contest, right? It's not just like nobody wins contests. Absolutely. Because I won a contest this week, and I won <laughs> a really good prize. First, let's say, you said, I think I've won, because I've got a delivery coming. I'm pretty sure I feel like I've won. And I was like, hmm, we'll see, because right? I'm skeptical. And you're like, no, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. Then it said it was delivered, and you're like, but it's not out there, and I'm pretty sure I won, and this is a big one. <laughs> like, this is an expensive thing, and... A few minutes later, of course, they show up with it, and you had one. I won a uh, motherboard, a CPU, and some RAM from AMD. They had a contest uh, about their Ryzen 7 processors, and I enter any contest that I see. I just enter it. I mean, it's not hard to fill your name and address and your email, is it? I mean, SidTalk doesn't enter contests. No. So you'll never win like I did. That's true. (laughs) But you won, you won anyway because you got my old computer. Correct. I don't have to actually enter to win. <laughs> um, but yeah, I won um, a Risen 7 2700X, which is the top of the line Ryzen processor. It's a 16 core, if you know about PCs. It's very fast. I won some G-Skill memory, which is like the kind of memory that lights up in any color you want. It's really cool. And an Asus... Um, B450 motherboard that it all goes into and it's really good I've got it all in fact I'm recording this show on it now so oh yeah um, got a good we haven't experimented yet with that no it's um super fast I was doing yesterday I was encoding a video and playing a video game at the same time can never do that but I was doing that and it was cool so yeah my my tip to you is enter contests because people have to win the contests mm-hmm. and I never win anything. I mean, I've won bits and pieces here and there, like Steam keys for games and 
But I've never won a prize like this, which was about $600 worth, I think. So I was very excited. And now I have a cool new PC to play with. So um, games that I've been playing this week, I've just been playing Metro 2033, some more of it on my new PC, actually. I've been trying a lot of old games just to see how much better they run. There's a lot more, they're a lot smoother. I feel like I could, if I had two screens, I could run two games at once. Do you know what I'm saying? Do it. But I don't have two screens. I just have an ultra wide screen. That's so. true. Um, but yeah, you can do a lot more things at once with these um, 16 core processors. And I moved like from an eight to a 16. You moved from a four to an eight also because you just got my upgrade. So we're all upgraded. It's really cool. So what is for dinner, Sid Tonight we're going to have rice, which is leftover, and some peas, and some corn brand chicken, which isn't chicken. No, it's... It's um, made from a mushroom fungus. What is it called? Micro... Uh, microfungi. Something like that. <laughs> we actually great. saw it being made. It was... It's really good, it, though. It's it, just like uh, shaped into like a chicken breast shape, but it's really good. It's really... Tastes delicious. We've been eating it for 10 years. So to me, it's beautiful. I've fried up in the pan, get all nice and browned, maybe throw an onion in there and then have some peas and some rice, maybe make a little bit of sauce in there. You know, you like the wetness. I don't understand you people with the wetness. Yeah, I got to have wet on the food. My food is not saucy enough. My beverage isn't wet enough. My mouth is too dry. I must just be really moist. <laughs> to all the people who don't like that word, apparently, moist. My mouth doesn't crave liquids constantly. I'm very well. I'm um, so moist. I'm very well lubricated, I guess. <laughs> Something about me. I'm not craving, but I'll make you some gravy slash sauce or whatever. We did learn the five five mother sauces the other day in cooking. We did. Do you remember them? Um, one was a veal one. I don't yeah. know the name. Forget what Volute? it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't a- learn it, did we? <laughs> we didn't learn it. <laughs> well, we know there's a bechamel. Almost all of them were started with a roux, which is flour and fat. There's a brown roux. Then there's the one that White was... One, chicken one. What was the one that wasn't a roux? There's a tomato one, but that also had a roux. And I don't know, there was one that didn't have that starter, but... We didn't really learn it. We, we did. <laughs> skirted over it. We know there are five mother sauces in French cooking. We do. That we know. And we know what a roux is. We watch a lot of cooking shows. This is why it comes Master to MasterChef Australia we watch. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. It is really good. If you are if you love watching these cooking competitions, you get a little bottle bang for your buck with that one. It's one of the best cooking competitions. So that's what's for supper. And for dessert, we have Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And what is the, um, what's your advice? My advice is more just like a statement that a lot of people won't like, but I don't care. That... And it might be because uh, I'm completely biased because my personality is confrontational. If you've ever done personality tests in your whole life, you'll find out things about yourself, which I already knew. I'm very confrontational. I'm not, I don't shy away from shit too much. If it's just right there, I just face it down, and like it or not like it. So to me, confrontation is like honesty. Like you are willing to be presented the truth. Whether you like it or not, that's irrelevant. But you're, if you're facing down a problem, the truth is going to come at you. If you avoid a problem or you avoid a situation, it's a lie. Because no matter which direction you go, you're steering away from the truth. 
you are afraid, you're chicken shit, you can't cope, whatever the problem is, not confronting a problem is just the same as lying about it to yourself. Is this brought else. on from watching Jean on EastEnders? Um, no, not brought on by that, but she's one of those... She's a char- fictional character, but represents a type of person was, who likes to avoid everything. It really got you, didn't it? You were like, Ugh. well, if you pretend something's not wrong with you because you don't want to fuss, Expl- then basically, well, this, well, well, she's a character who has is finding out she may or may not have cancer. Well, she doesn't want anyone to know and doesn't want to tell anybody and doesn't want anybody to even bring it up. And if she thinks if she runs away from it, it won't be there. But that's not that is a lie. It isn't the truth. And if you face it and someone says you do have cancer, there's your truth. If you face it and they say you don't have cancer, there's the truth. And then you can move on. So it isn't just that. I mean, I'm, you know people in life who are like, la, 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 fingers in the ears, la, 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 don't, na, 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 don't want to hear it. That just, you're living a lie. To be honest, uh, that, that character of Jean who does that, she's consistent. She's always been like that. No, not at all. She's not like that with other people at all. She's up in their business constantly. She's always trying to get people. She told people about Haley. She went and she reveals everybody else's secret. So in the writing portion of this person, there's some failure there because that's not who she consistently is. She doesn't keep secrets. She's not good at any of that. For other people, she's right up in their business. Like she's the first one who would go and tell somebody else that her daughter had cancer, right? So that's just kind of bad writing. But in life, that's probably true. People who want to be up in your business and then they pretend they don't have a problem, probably very accurate. But I'm just saying, confronting a thing doesn't make it worse unless it's a dangerous situation. You don't want to confront a physical dangerous situation if you're not fully prepared or equipped with safety. Like that's different than like life things, like confronting the fact that your son is doing drugs, confronting the fact that you're running out of money, or confronting a fact if you're not really that much in love with your husband anymore, or you're whatever, whatever the thing is, avoiding it doesn't make it less true. It just means you're circling around a bigger lie. So... There you go. Well said. Thank you. You can catch uh, our website, aschoolie.com. There is no said.com. It's gone. Correct. All right. So catch us on Twitter, Facebook. Catch I am this on podcast. Instagram, said talk. If you're on Instagram. I am also. I can't remember what my name is. Probably aschoolie. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't post a lot. I mean, I probably will now because I'm doing my gardening stuff for the year. So I'm going to have try to take some kind of cool progressive pictures of my gardening. I don't post at all on Instagram. I post one. I posted a Twin Peaks wallpaper on Instagram, and I posted it there. So when I needed it again, I knew where to go and get it. I don't know if that's how you use Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're on Twitter and Facebook. We're on uh, this podcast on the Google Music Store. I think it's called Google Play, the iTunes Music Store. We're on TuneIn Radio. You can use Amazon devices to listen to it. Say after, say listen to after the show movie podcast, and it will play it. You can also find us on YouTube, RSS feed, just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. All the subscription options are there on one handy page. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk, even though she does still have her email address. And uh, stay classy, Julia Roberts as Holly Burns in this movie. Very good and very entertaining. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.